Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys, and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee. As always, take a hot second to give yourself some gratitude for choosing content that uplifts and inspires and challenges and champions you to be the best version of you in mind, body, spirit, soul, and of course, your business too. And I have no better guest to bring on in on the topic of really transforming your life and transforming your body than Noelle Rousseau. Holy moly, she guides people to become their best selves and push past their excuses. She starts with gut health products and practices and then connects people to other coaches for the mind and the body. And she has got a story of proving doctors wrong, going from overweight and crazy and in crazy pain to a pro fitness competitor. And her body is unbelievable. I was blessed to meet this fire starter in (laughs) at Business Mastery with Tony Robbins. And holy moly, the amount of energy that she has, most people don't generate on a regular basis. And consistently, every time I talk to her, every time I have interactions, her energy level is off the charts. So knowing how to how to generate energy at an optimal level consistently, this is your gal, Noelle. Welcome to the show. Oh, Kim, thank you so much for having me. Um, I love your energy as well, just probably why I instantly knew I loved you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> You are so welcome. Let's dive right into your story because I know that you were told that you probably wouldn't hold your daughter again when you were overweight and and in pain. And you turned your life around in this literal blink of an eye. What What takes people usually years, you did in how long? Nine Nine months? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, um, probably even sooner than that, but nine months from on the couch crying to a pro fitness competitor. <laughs> Holy moly. So what what brought you to that point where you were at rock bottom and struggling? And then how did you how did you navigate out of that and navigate out of that so quickly? Well, you know, it's funny. I I now tell people when you have that rock bottom year, it's actually a gift. But of course, you don't realize that when you're there. Um, I had that year six years ago when, um, you know, all those things, wonderful things happened from my sister dying of colon cancer, which was set me into depression. Um, I was in a horseback riding accident. I had already had 20 years of back pain. Now they're telling me without all these surgeries, I'm not going to hold my daughter again. You know how 
they, the doctors were telling me I wouldn't do a long laundry list of things, but um, I was 38 years old. And I remember wondering what happened to that beautiful, fun 20-something-year-old. Um, I didn't have the energy. I didn't sleep well. I had horrible IBS and allergies. And, you know, now all of a sudden I'm overweight, which was a new new thing for me. And I, and I knew how to do the things that were right. But I was gaining the weight back either way. Um, but after this accident, this crazy thing happened. So, you know, doctors love to give you meds for everything. I'm not knocking mm -hmm. doctors. There's some amazing doctors out there, but um, I got this call saying that my liver wasn't doing so good. And I, I'm really grateful now that the doctor didn't explain to me what that meant, but I thought I was saying goodbye to my daughter and my husband at the time and my family. And so I remember stopping all meds. And I was also, I had also discovered this awesome habit of drinking a fifth of crown by noon to get out of bed. <laughs> that was a really wow. time in my life. Yeah. Um, so I gave up alcohol, I gave up meds, I gave up everything. And I honestly went into prayer and I spent three months praying and crying to the point my ex-husband would come home and be like, are you ever getting off your knees? Um, but I told him every part of me was hurting from my mind to my body. And to me, the, I didn't see a way out, but I had faith in God and I had a five-year-old daughter and I kept looking at this baby girl going, you know, I need to get through this for her. So I kept telling my ex-husband, like my, my God is faithful and he's going to come through. And, uh, that was probably the only thing that kept me going, um, in that time. <laughs> I so admire your unshakable faith, especially in times of peril. And I think that right now with, with everything going on in the world, there's a lot of, of fear. What, were you always a person of faith that you were able to turn to God and in, in, in asking, begging sometimes for support? Or was that, was that like last resort tactic? It's funny you ask that because I was one of those lucky ones that had two rock bottoms. So my first one at 28 was where I honestly checked myself into a rehab for codependency and a little addiction. And I, it was out there that I started learning to meditate and I believe that God spoke to me and told me my purpose was to help people. Well, let me tell you back then, I just kept going, what, huh? <laughs> so I came home and I got actively learning about Jesus. And, you know, I, I felt, I felt safe in the space where my aunt told me that he could use your trash and make it your treasure. That the fact that I was going through so many things could like lead me to help others. So that's when I became a counselor. That was my first rock bottom. And I became a counselor and for 10 years kept thinking I was working with a half a deck of cards because I would still go into depression. And I had, you know, clients that would mm -hmm. still go into depression. And for that matter, I couldn't even charge anyone. I, it, was, it, was, it was ridiculous. But anyway, 10 years later was when I was in my second rock bottom. But that was, I had also given up my life by then for everyone else but me. So my husband, mm -hmm. my kid, people around me. And um I now love to speak to people on how you got to fill yourself up, right? <laughs> Amen. Yeah, the people pleasing is so easy, more so for women that I've seen, but also for men. And when you're in that space of, of putting other people first, what was the deeper motivating belief that had you putting other people first before yourself? right it's that you're not worthy um I, I honestly 
I was in a boundaries class. In fact, I don't usually tell people this part, but I was in a boundaries course where this woman looked at me and she said, it's not your job to be people's Jesus. You just have to lead them. And I think that was when it hit me, not just with Jesus, but all areas of life that I don't have to be everything, everyone. I have to inspire and give them hope and then connect them like with people like you, Kim, like connect them with a great coach, a great trainer, someone who can help them, you know, but I don't have to be that person. (laughs) Sometimes connection is a superpower in and of itself. Right. You know, because you can only you can only be good at so many things. So why not lead them to the best? <laughs> Amen. So looking at that and going from that place of, of rock bottom and three months of just prayer, what when did you shift? Did you was it a decision? Was it a specific moment or was it kind of a progression of a series of choices that moved you into becoming a pro fitness competitor and why fitness well I'll tell you it's crazy because I remember I can get myself back to this space like it was yesterday and it was one moment that I remember and then a series of events so obviously mm-hmm. you gotta put action behind that that moment but the moment I didn't realize was going to change my life my ex-husband was coming home I thought he was we were going to talk about getting divorced at the time my whole life revolved around him um, I, you know, now we're divorced, but we're best friends and we're happy, you know, but back then I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be the end of my life. And he came home and he said, instead of getting divorced, I think that you should take these products. And to me, I, I'm not going to lie. I laughed in his face. I'm like, what are products? <laughs> <laughs> That's the strangest divorce question that I've ever heard. And I've, heard, I've worked with a lot of people through divorces. <laughs> <laughs> that was my thought. And he also made fun of my million dollar cupboard of all the supplements I had bought and all the things I had hoped were going to happen from other things. And so for him to suggest this, and he said, no, this is different. This is not an energy weight loss thing. This is about health. We're going to get you healthy. And he said, and for that matter, my friends that I trust from high school believe this is going to help you. So we're going to try it. And at the time he had never done anything healthy in his life. So I was like, okay, um, I guess we'll do this. Right. Um, And I'm not going to lie, I try and tell people like I had no hope, but I think I had a little thought of, okay, what if this is what's finally going to work? He did tell me that it was um, a network marketing, like a sales type thing. And I told him I would punch him in the face if he asked me to sell this stuff. (laughs) I I honestly looked at him and was like, my purpose from God is to help people. Don't ever ask me to sell something. (laughs) So said that was fine and we started (laughs) so this was my beginning and that's why I always say everything in life is a tool because I started taking this stuff to prove him wrong but uh it proved me wrong and it totally it was started turning my life around in ways like lifting that fog and I have to say five years now I've been without any depression or anxiety and I spent I'm 43 years old I spent 38 years trying to understand depression and anxiety Um, Mm. but not, that wasn't the first thing I noticed. The first thing I noticed was that I had all this energy and I felt really good and I was sleeping good for the first time ever. So the beginning of my journey started with just, okay, I feel awesome. But then I was going to the same workout classes that I used to like struggle through and I was flying through them and people are like, what are you doing? And I didn't, I'm like, it's legal. That's all I kept telling people. It's legal. (laughs) And then over the next couple months, it was crazy. I was like, all of a sudden I go to my physical therapist and he's like, I don't know why, but you're not in pain. You don't need me anymore. 
Like I couldn't, I couldn't lift a pound. All of a sudden I'm lifting stuff. And I go to the surgeon and he goes, this is really bizarre because you should be in pain, but you're not. So I'm not going to do surgery on you. And I said, awesome, because I don't really want that either. Um, and then it kept happening in all areas of my life. Like I noticed I didn't need that long, that all the allergy meds that were next to my bed. I used to go to the hospital, my face would swell shut. Um, but mm. I didn't need those anymore. And all of a sudden I wasn't running to the bathroom with horrible bathroom problems that controlled my life. And I wasn't passing gas through my workouts where I had to make fun of myself to feel like I was, you know, not the worst human on earth. Um, all things that I now know people deal with, but <laughs> for me, I'm the only one. So it was crazy. I ended up with an accidental business within a couple months because everybody wanted to do what I was doing. But the crazy thing was that's when life started and I realized my fears, my people pleasing problems. I realized that, okay, I, I am now going to be a leader. I better, <laughs> I better turn my life around. And that's when I actually first went, I went to a thing called the Landmark Forum. Have you heard of that? Yep. Okay. So I started in there and I walked in and I stood up in front of everyone crying and I said, I don't speak in front of people and I'm here to be a better wife and a better mother. And I just cried. I cried the whole day. Well, by the last day I was up there speaking, I was like, I want to be a speaker. <laughs> no. And I go, I came here to be better to myself. And in return, I'll be better to everyone around me. And it was the following week that I heard Tony Robbins for the first time. Um, it was a couple weeks later that I found an empowerment coach who totally took me from this insecure person to loving who I am. And now one of the biggest things I tell people every day is you need a coach in every area you're like, oh, I found a trainer. My girlfriend, I was her first person she was going to practice on as a trainer. And within a few months, I was a, well, I started as a pro figure competitor in an all natural organization. Then it went to fitness where I was doing backflips on stage in my forties. And she was like, I was just practicing. <laughs> but it was like, my, my message I like to tell people is there's so many people out there to help you, but you need to try things, you know? Um, Amen. And surrounding yourself with that, with that uh, community of support and, and people who can lift you up. I, I think it's awesome. The fact that you started with you having your girlfriend who is getting certified in personal training, because that was exactly the same path that I took with a friend of mine. When I, 10 years ago, when I first found Pilates, she was getting certified in Pilates and said, Hey, can I give you some you know, free lessons to get my practice hours. And it was the first form of exercise that I ever found that actually made me feel really good and confident and beautiful in my body. And within six months, I was certified in teaching it. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Like your whole life could change on accident. <laughs> and, and I do believe it really comes down to following your curiosity and allowing for those, those glimmers of, of hope and, and guidance. So with, with becoming an accidental business owner, what have been some of the struggles that you have faced as a leader that you now see stemmed from those deeper beliefs from the past? Wow, there were so many. <laughs> it's, been, it's been the most amazing five years, but you know. I mean, I met you at Tony Robbins Business Mastery. I was constantly trying to figure out what I was lacking because I had all sorts of people joining me. But as a leader, I realized I was lacking in, in actually challenging people. Like I, mm. I, even when I worked to take care of myself, 
I still realize I had that I want to make everyone happy attitude. And in that, you know, if you're not really challenging people to step up and come outside of their excuses, you know, you're not really building other leaders. And that's my big goal now. Um, and I would love to talk too about what we're doing with this fearless and fortunate group. Yes. Um, but my big goal now is to create more leaders, you know? <laughs> um, and, and I think one of the other things I realized was too, I was spreading myself a little thin because I'm a say yes to life person. So I wanted to do everything, but you know, I'm taking the year off of competing, even though I love it. I've gone pro into organizations. I've won so many fun shows and, and it taught me a lot. It actually taught me a lot about what to do and also what not to do. Uh, but, but I make the year off to focus on just developing and I prayed for leadership and this quarantine brought me leadership. So. And that, and, and what you're talking about is your fearless and fortunate group that you just came back. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this podcast specifically, because so many people in, in this time I have seen crumble with the weight of fear. And instead, you tapped deeper into your purpose, created a massive community that's fast growing and are serving them. And you've got fearless in the title. So it's right there. So, so looking at, at what does being fearless mean to you in times of uncertainty? Well, first I'll start by saying I love the word fearless, but we're never without fear. It's just facing it, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to look it in the face and, and, fa- <laughs> and face it. And um, so for me, I came home from Mexico March 19th and all of this craziness was going on and I could have easily slid into fear, you know. <laughs> I, um you know, my money was in the stock market. And I'm like, I can't go into fear because guess what? I talked to everyone about health and mental and physical health coming from your gut, but you know, fear is really bad for your immune system as well. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, no fear. So I sat down and I started praying and meditating. And um, I'm very grateful that God often answers me pretty strongly. And usually it's something I want to fight. So the first thing I felt was God saying, if you can help people, you know, basically you'll be at peace. I'll take care of you. And I'm thinking, okay. And, and I looked up at my boyfriend, I came out of this meditation and I'm like, we need to start a Facebook group and it needs to bring people all the different things that they, that could help them establish healthy habits in this time. And I said, people always give the same two excuses. They either don't have time or money. I said, people mm-hmm. have time right now. And what if we took money off the table? And we just poured into people so they felt supported. Um, I'm really big at telling people you are who you surround yourself with. I'm like, what if we could surround them with a good community, make them feel like family, but bring to them different, different, all different kinds of workouts, different kinds of life coaches, empowerment coaches, meditations. We got yoga, Zumba, HIIT training, but then we have like so many different like life coaches teaching things, NLP practices, you know, um, meditations and um I thought, wouldn't that be beautiful? Nutritionalist doctors. Um, and it, and it was funny because, you know, we learned at Tony Robbins that it's not 
it's not the how it's the why and like mm-hmm. um and I remember thinking but I'm not I don't like social media and I don't like computers and I don't like Zoom. I probably a <laughs> hundred excuses because I'm a people person why I didn't want to do this but I was like I feel like it's all going to work out so I, I I reached out literally at the time to just like seven or eight people that had helped me turn my life around in five years. And I was like, will you guys all help me with this and donate some of your time? And that's where it first blossomed. But then we started having special guests on and some of the special guests became family. <laughs> now they're permanently there. But in the first two weeks, I was working 24 hours a day and I was doing things that were not my strong suit. But the cool thing is I'm really learning how to receive. I've always been a giver and I've learned that in life you need to give and receive. Well, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. there were people coming to me saying, because of this group in a week, two weeks, they were coming out of depression. They were able to, you know, work out for the first time. They were able to feel good or to find good friends. So they all wanted to help. So I have like a whole amazing admin team that works for free now. <laughs> I mean, it's and, and I cry every day out of joy now going, do I, we really have all these people that just want to pay it forward so much? that they're willing to give their time and their expertise to make this work. And I, I love the fact that that, that t- touches so deeply on, it's not a resources problem. It's a resourcefulness problem. And so many people, when, when they're in the midst of struggle, isolate in, in a way that, I mean, now we actually are physically isolating, but many people, when they are actually like mentally isolating and and stuck in the how of, I don't know how to do this, or I can't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to grow team. I don't know how, if you show up for the why, the how is going to come and you can, the how can be the resources of people who believe in your mission and who actually just want to help. But sometimes when you have those blinders on, like you said, Noel, where you struggle to receive as well as give, then sometimes that blinds you from actually receiving the, the level and the amount of support that you could actually have. And I love the fact that you are practicing receiving. It's one of the top things I work on with a, a lot of my clients who have struggled with the disease to please and are constantly giving from their cup, but never really filling their own. Mm-hmm. Looking at, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's crazy because it's been so beautiful because what is, I mean, one of the, the greatest things we can do is serve and give to others. And I knew that, but I wasn't allowing that blessing to come back to me. So now mm. I can see people just overjoyed to help with the mission that we have. And it's, it's just beautiful. Like, love this. So as a child, did you dream of being a leader? Did you exhibit qualities of leadership as a child? What were you like? You know, it's funny. Um, I became really outgoing because I went to so many different schools, um, like in high school and stuff. And I always Mm -hmm. tell people like I was always able to see the good in everything. So whereas, you know, kids maybe now in quarantine are like, oh, I'm missing my senior prom and my graduation. I never had a senior prom and graduation, but I always looked at it as who do I get to meet today and learn from and grow and who can I bless today? So I had that going for me, but I also was not a leader because I was so insecure in other ways. Um, Mm. People would have thought I was, I was very outgoing. Um, You know, after college, I traveled everywhere, lived everywhere. 
So I had what seemed like probably the perfect life because I was so say yes to life kind of person. But inside, I was very insecure. And, you know, as a leader, that's <laughs> not, the, <laughs> not the real way to it's, go. And, and the reason it's an interesting. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the, the reason I've learned leadership through this group is when you're dealing with all different leaders and different people, you can't make everyone happy. And you have to have these talks with people to make everything flow right. <laughs> and, and so it's been beautiful because I learned if I come from a space of love, if everything I do is out of love and I start every morning in my gratitude meditation of love and having, you know, just the right people come in my life and what can I do? If you're speaking from love, nobody's going to be mad at you, you know, <laughs> is, is my thought. Exactly. And, and I think that, that, that comes down to a lot of intention because we like nothing. I mean, yes, COVID and social distancing and this whole new world sprouted up right in, immediately without, you know, much knowledge or just suddenly it was like, bam, suddenly the world was changed. But at the same time, certainty is a myth. And so we don't, we never know exactly what's going to happen next. We never know if something is going to work out. We never know if a conversation is going to work out, but it comes down to having intention and, and trust. And for me, I do believe in, in faith as, as well with, you know, the, having those tough conversations as a leader and trusting that even if the person leaves you as, as, you know, a team member or uh, somebody in your community, even if the person leaves, I operate from the belief that everything in life has, is like a safe. And so with every turn of the dial, you're getting deeper into that authentic, that real truth and stripping away the plagiarized programming. And now it's a pretty crappy safe for some beliefs because you can easily crack that open and, and shift it. But for other beliefs, Sometimes, especially ones that are really rooted in fear, there it's it can be a lot more difficult to turn that knob at every which way that it needs to be turned. And yet, when I like to think that when someone has to leave or I have to make a tough call as a leader, that that decision is actually just a turn of the knob for them so that they have more awareness, more tools, more learning, more resources a breakthrough in some way that when they go to their next job or to their next uh, client or to their next, you know, coach that they work with, that that experience, it brought that, it, it unlocks something for them that they're going to eventually find and it's going to unlock the greater truth. That's, that's how I operate <laughs> as a, as a leader. So with, with your, with your love and intention and, and, what is the difference between operating with love and intention and operating from a space of people pleasing? You know, that's such a good question, but it, it's crazy. It's like, I'm okay now with people. I mean, no one's ever going to, you know, you're never going to have everyone like you. And usually what people think of you has nothing to do with you anyway. <laughs> and you're not mm -hmm. responsible for other people's happiness. So it's crazy operating from love and intention because when I would try and please people, I would honestly be heartbroken if I couldn't get them to want to change their lives or make them happy. And now it's more like, you know, look, it's like, Jesus, I can share the good news, but I can't make you, you know, believe it or do anything for it. 
Um, so I always tell people that with life, I, my goal is just to show you what's out there and you try it on and see what fits. Um, so I guess it's just like such a beautiful place because I've let go of responsibility, you know? Ooh. Sorry, go ahead. I, that's so good that you let go of responsibility for how other people feel. Mm-hmm. So when, when you are in the space of leadership and you're, do you still feel triggered to go back into those old habits of, of people pleasing and trying to make everyone? Yes. I be happy. All feel triggered for me. The one who can trigger it the most to me is my daughter. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yes, I do feel triggered and that's why I think it's so important to, you know, work first of all, work with a coach who can help guide you, but also, you know, know who you are and how to get back to that space, whether it's meditating or prayer or anchoring yourself in some way. Um, and and just to know when you feel that way, I think awareness is half the battle for most people. Especially, Amen. Um, Amen. Yeah, I know instantly when my body's off, physically, mentally, when I feel off, and so I can do something about it. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm a pretty happy, positive, energetic person, but I'm not rainbows and sunshine all the time. But I I know how to my I know my turnaround. Point, like my ability to turn that around or bounce back rate is pretty fast because I can acknowledge that I'm not in being the person I want to be at that moment or the feelings I want to feel. Um, what, are, what are some of the signals that you pick up on that you feel inside your body when you feel off course? Do you feel them in a specific like location in your body or do you feel a specific type of uh, feeling that, that signals that you're either going back into old habits or having uh getting emotionally triggered by something it's kind of like it's funny because I you know work for a gut health company but you feel it in your gut you know (laughs) (laughs) I always say you know you do you feel it in your gut you gotta um and and I can feel it instantly and in fact for me sometimes I will be triggered to cry or do something like that but um it it is it it is interesting when you say that because it is something that I'm always challenging myself with you know um because I can fall out of that I can fall back into excuses just as well as the next person but for me it's like leading with my commitments instead of my excuses so I'm always trying to think what am I committed to (laughs) what is my next step to get there (laughs) Hey, that is so good. Lead with your commitments instead of your excuses. Because I am very much of the no excuses mindset, but just like every other human on the planet, it's very easy to make excuses. And sometimes we don't want to own it. And, and yet leading with those commitments that you've made. And one of the things that I see a lot is people backing down from the commitments that they make to themselves. They keep the commitments that they will make to other people, but how do you as a leader inspire people to keep the commitments that they make to themselves? Yes. And that's so true because, you know, people look at me and they think I just naturally jump out of bed in the morning and want to work out. I'm like, (laughs) 
I seriously will come up with more excuses than anyone. But what I've done to keep me to my commitments to myself is accountability. I always have people that need me to show up. <laughs> so I'm showing up for myself, but I also have accountability in that. Um, you know, back when we could go places, I would go meet people at the gym or I would have a trainer. Um, now, you know, we lead workouts, we lead free workouts over Zoom because then we've got to get up and do them. <laughs> and it makes it fun too, you know? It's so true. I remember when I was teaching Pilates, it was so easy for me to do a Pilates class because I would I would be teaching it. And so I was on the schedule and I had to show up. And I think that really is, is such a, a pillar of leadership is being accountable to those that you serve. And because I know for me, there are days that I don't want to go for my morning run or skip my meditation. And Yet at the same time, if I know that I have clients that day, I need to be in peak state in order to really operate and serve them. And that it's not, it is for me and it's not for me. And it's also for me to be in peak state for my son. So how do you, how else do you keep your commitments to yourself? Um, What are some other tools that you use? So I do, you know, I always do my gratitude prayer meditation in the morning. And I speak my intentions in it. And I, you know, they say to pray for things if it's already happened, but I always pray from a state of thankfulness and creating things. And that keeps me excited to do these things. You know, when I'm starting every morning saying, you know, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the people you're sending into my life that I can bless or learn from, you know, the people. And it's just so cool because then I'm like excited instead of, thinking like, oh God, I got to do these five things today. (laughs) Um, The other thing I've noticed helps a lot is who you surround yourself with. That's Mm -hmm. like my big thing. I love telling people you surround who you you look at who, how you talk to yourself and how others talk to you. And if people are in your corner supporting you. um, And the other thing I also tell people is you get to choose what goes in. So I know a lot of people sit around and watch the news. I don't watch the news. Um, I me neither. <laughs> me neither. Yeah. I'll listen to your podcast or something. Like I want to start every morning with something healthy going into my mind, not something that's talking about something you can't control anyway. <laughs> so I know. So true. And then I always tell everybody, this is my big thing. Just show up. So when I get there, I'm like, I showed up. <laughs> I'm going to give my best, but just show up, you know? Um, so yeah, it's crazy. And and a lot of times just showing up is 80% of the way. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing then how good you feel, no matter what it was that you showed up for. You're like, oh my gosh, I did. I showed up and I killed this. I've also learned to look for what you love about something, not what you don't love. And it's funny because I, I use the example, my empowerment coach, I used to make my dad this pie. My dad's, you know, now got dementia and whatever, but I always think about when I would make this pie, the look on his face, he was so excited. He wouldn't let anyone eat it. He'd eat through the middle of the pie, but I used to be like annoyed by it. I was like, God, why does my dad always want me to make this pie? And my empowerment coach asked me, he said, what do you love about making that pie? And I was like, man, I love the way my dad gets so excited. I now, even though he can't even eat the pie, want to make it. And I look at that in workouts or in healthy things you put in your body, anything else in life. It's like, 
you may not feel like doing it, but if you think about what you're excited about in that, what the what that's going to bring, it's a totally different way of looking at it. No. <laughs> yes, the the perspective shift is so powerful when you can shift, especially when you're in the beginning stages of of developing a new habit. And I think it when you focus on the result, like falling in love with the result, not necessarily the result that you're aiming for of what you're that, whether it's, you know, the look on your dad's face or the smile that comes from across your kid's face or the, the joy that you feel after you have a very powerful conversation or a kick-ass workout. It's that result of what is really the the thing that can drive it. You see it when you focus on exactly what you don't want about all the process of the, whatever it is, whether it's making a pie or going to go to the gym, there's the, there is the, the excuses that can easily come up from not being completely in love with the process of it. But when you fall in love with the results, it changes the game. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. And, you know, I I don't want to get off topic, but when you and I both talk about how we like to prove people wrong, um, I, I don't think of things anymore. Like I feel fear, but I feel like God's driving me to do something. I jump right up and do it. So when I did my first fitness routine, I felt like God was calling me to make up a routine in two weeks and go on a national stage and do backflips. When, when everything in me was like, okay, I have a torn ACL. I have a, you know, everything's torn in my shoulder. My back's fractured in five places, but I felt God calling me. I broke my toe. I visualized it. And instead of thinking about what could go wrong, which was a million things, I did get up there and told everyone if I didn't die, I was going to be excited. But I was <laughs> thinking about how that would feel to know that I did that anyway. And when I got, it was funny because my daughter was like, you're going to win, right, mom? And you win everything. And I said, well, baby, it's not about winning. It's about, you know, just saying, you know, trying, facing your fear. So if I don't die, I'm going to be excited. Well, I won. And I said it was for her. But it was so cool because instead of thinking instantly about all the obstacles in the way and how tough it was going to be, I was thinking about, man, how good it would feel to do something they told me I could never do. So I think that's another thing I like to look at a lot, too, is like some people will hear they can't do something. And that used to be me, by the way. So you would tell me I couldn't do something. Like, Okay, then I won't do it. Now tell me I can't do something and watch. <laughs> watch and I'll post it on social media and it'll go viral <laughs> so what was some of the lessons that that being a fitness competitor taught you oh my god I mean you you, you dove in like so full bore like I, I'm just what what lessons I have learned so many. It's been an amazing experience because I've learned a lot of what I don't want to do to myself or others. I'm just kidding. Uh, I've had a lot of different coaches and doctors from all the way from Europe to US. And, you know, I even got to work, do a fitness routine with Miss Olympia. Like I had some cool coaches and some great experiences, but I also learned that you need to know your own body and you need to know your own capabilities. Like I used to hate the word discipline. Cause I'm like a child, everything mm. has to be fun and everything's childlike. And the word discipline to me meant like you're in trouble or something. So I learned that I have discipline on myself, but also what it's going to look like for me is very different than what it's going to look like for the person next to me. And you have to know who you're trusting your body with. Cause I've seen a lot of fitness competitors. People think they're healthy. 
most of them are not. And you've got to be careful who you listen to because I've seen people end up with major life problems because they trusted someone with their body. So I always say like, when you find a, a trainer, coach, mental, physical, it's like dating. It's more important than, than even who you're going to marry because it's who you're trusting your mind and your body with. Um, <laughs> so I learned a lot about who I was, what I'm capable of, and what I'm okay with. I'm okay. I won my shows eating a piece of chocolate every single day. Most people would tell you that was not possible. But I was like, I know my body and your body does what you tell it to do. And I told my body it was a fat burning machine and it was burning off that chocolate. Um, you know, but I also learned how to live without some things too. I just, I, I, yeah, it was so cool, the things you learn. And then when you put the, so that's like the bodybuilding part of it. When you put the fitness in there where you've got to do the routines and stuff. Oh, that's even a whole nother element. But um, I did learn that I, even now I needed somebody in my corner. You know, need someone, my girl, Lourdes, who was my first trainer and she's, she believed in me more than I believed in myself until I had that belief myself. And sometimes you need that person. <laughs> 150%. thats um, it was one of the blessings that I had with one client that I, I coached for two years and she, at the end, was just starting to grow a million dollar company. And she turned to me because when she came to me, she was a hot mess. And she said, did you ever believe that this was possible for me? And without missing a beat, I said 150%. Like, no, like what was possible for you is not based on your current circumstances, period. And having somebody who sees the belief, who sees where you're going, who sees the potential that you have and who backs you before you're even backing yourself, that changes a game for how people show up in life. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So, and I think some people are just too afraid to go out and find that, you know? <laughs> and that's why I'm such a big advocate of coaches, to be honest. I believe, you know, you know, you have to start, putting yourself in, in places to find the right kind of friends like this quarantine. I found some of the best friends in my life just because doing this, this Facebook page is all people that want to help others and establish healthy habits and stuff. But I started by finding coaches when I didn't have friends that were supportive. <laughs> so you got to start somewhere, you know, <laughs> exactly. It changes the, when you're internal, mindset, your skill set, your your body, your spirituality, when that shifts, the circles that you surround yourself with change rapidly. I mean, I've seen that with people who've had addiction is whether it's codependency or actual substances, when they kick that addiction or when they they're in the practice of changing their identity from an addict to someone who is recovered and thriving they're not hanging out with the guys who get drunk on a regular basis like you just can't it's yeah. it's it's a different identity and I love the fact that you are in set you are such a supporter of coaches and a connector of people to the coaches that would be the best person for them because not every coach is right for every for every person um, and that's why I love having coaches that I refer people out to when I don't feel like somebody is a right fit for me because everybody has their own unique style, just like 
you said with, you know, you got to trust who you're trusting your body with and your mind with as for coaching, it's imperative. There's got to be that, that level of just soul connection in a way. Mm -hmm. It's seriously, I feel like it's just as important. They've got all these matchmaking sites out there. I'm like, why shouldn't you be matched up with the right, you know, coach, physical, mental, the right church, the right, I mean, there's so many things you could be matched up with in like the friends, you know, the people, the people that you spend your time with. I love when they say like, show me the five people you spend the most time with and I'll show you you. It's like, you should never be the smartest person in the room. <laughs> um, and I love that when I hear those things being said because they sound cliche, but it's true. There's a reason why cliches are cliches. It's because it's they're true. <laughs> like, you say it enough times. Yeah, exactly. So I love the fact one of the things that I love to, to focus on is less about the struggles that like we as, as women go through in life, but instead look at what really has being a woman been an asset for you. Oh my gosh. I love being a woman. <laughs> Same here. I honestly, I do love being a woman and I never, I did. I will tell you that is one thing. I never grew up thinking that I couldn't do anything because I was a woman. Like I, I mean, I, I realized other things like, you know, that I wanted to do that it was maybe because it wasn't my strong suit, but being a woman, I think is incredible. And I think one of the things is that we just have so much I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. Like I can go up and love on everyone. Whereas my boyfriend might not look as good if he just runs up hugging everybody. <laughs> I love being, I honestly do. I feel like because I'm a woman, people will even like open up to me more. And maybe also because I've been through stuff, but I feel like I'm just brought into so many people's lives. Um, I think men are a little more, I mean, it's not quite the same now that they have to be so hard, but, um, I'm always encouraging them to do the same as we do. But seriously, like you and I became friends because I was complimenting your boots in a bathroom. Like a guy can't really do that. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like any, any sister who goes to a Tony Robbins in six inch stilettos is a sister of mine. <laughs> That was exactly what we bonded over. So I feel like for women, um, it's actually easier to connect with people. But, you know, that's just from my perspective. So. So um, what would be a what would be a quality that men could really learn from women? Um, I, I think that, I, you know, I'm always encouraging my boyfriend to be more vulnerable with people, you know to be more like you don't have to be so macho like you can let people in and you know my boyfriend through gut health you know overcame a lot of depression and like major depression you know like suicidal mm -hmm. depression and I always tell him you gotta let people into that you know you don't have to be so cool <laughs> um. <laughs> and surprisingly a lot more people have gone through that and sometimes when you let down that cool that cool factor it actually allows you to connect on a much deeper level right exactly so I don't know I know some people think like that women may be less I think women have more but that's just my own personal opinion um 
I, I'm grateful to be a woman. I've never had a single day in my 43 years of existence. I didn't feel grateful to wake up a woman. I think being a woman in this time that we are blessed to live in, like, I don't know if I would, if I would love being a woman, like, yes, you know, back in Joan of Arc days when she was being burnt at the stake for hearing voices and, and yet leading armies. So like, I appreciate being a woman in, in this time, in this era, I think it's incredibly exciting. I will tell you that's the one thing that I've always been like, I've always been someone who wants to dress how I want to dress. And I, you know, have been told many times that I don't dress the appropriate way. And I really try hard to not let that affect me because who chooses what's appropriate, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. I I love, I love the human body. I think it's like an art. So I sometimes wear clothes that show off, you know, the artwork that I have going on. Um, but I don't think that says anything about me or my, you know, who I am as a, as a person. I think it definitely says things about other people's beliefs, because I think when you think of it, because I see your body and I see a massive inspiration, just hashtag goals right there. And the fact that you see it as, as a, as a walking, working piece of art, it's, it's something that I believe you can either live your life as a, as an example or a warning. Now, some people will want to put their warnings on you when you're really living your life as an example, and that's their stuff for them to still work out. But I think, you know, I love the fact that how boldly and how confidently you show up dressed as you like to dress. And that was one of the, the, the ways, honestly, that we connected was just six inch stilettos and yeah. rocking it. Cause normally I'm the only one. And it was nice to find someone who also was doing, who also was rocking some, some, some heels. Uh, I was grateful to not be the only one. I will tell you that, <laughs> but um, you know, it's funny. I actually do have a lot of women that reach out to me and say that want to get into competing. And they say, well, as a Christian, how do you, you know, and, and I, mm. I am, Jesus is my main man, but I will say that, you know, when Christian people try and throw their judgment on you, that's tough. But I've told women, I believe God used my biceps to disciple the people. Like people will come up to me in the airport and ask me about how I look like this. And next thing you know, they're getting their gut healthy and they're learning about Jesus. And like, I'm bringing, bringing them to the next Tony Robbins event or whatever, you know? Um, so I believe that he uses my body for that. And, and so I think it's, you know, it's just the way you perceive things, right? Um, 100%, 100%. And I love, I love your complete unabashed authenticity of how you have owned yourself and own what you bring to the table because it is so massive. So I love this conversation and I would love to dive deeper into a little bit of rapid fire. <laughs> All right. Yes. (laughs) Who is your favorite female character in a movie and why? Oh, gosh. So. (laughs) That's a tough one. I don't even watch movies anymore. (laughs) I used to. Movies, Um, shows, books. Okay. Um, I always loved Jane Seymour growing up, but 
it wasn't because of her role in a movie. It was because of some of the things that she did outside of that. You know, I knew she she helped a lot of philanthropies and she had a passion for doing things off camera. So <laughs> that's why she was my favorite. Awesome. <laughs> if you were queen of a country, what would be your prime focus? I was queen of a country. My mm-hmm. prime focus honestly would be that everybody could share love, you know? Um, I just believe that if you can look at the good in each person, in each situation, each circumstance, then the world would be such a beautiful place. I mean, you know, why is everybody looking for what they're offended by or what they don't like about other people or situations, you know, when you can look at, you can find beauty in everything. Amen. If you... Uh, what would you consider to be your kingdom? Can be interpreted any way you want. Okay, so my first thought, honestly, and I don't even know why, is that I love to travel. So when I'm on a beach or when I'm like climbing trees and I'm in nature, I'm totally in. I, I love animals. I love nature. I love calming nature sounds. So I, my first thought was that. And then I looked around where I'm sitting right now in my meditation room with these big plants and everything that I love surrounding me. And I'm like, it could be right here in this room. It could be anywhere you go if you just bring what you love into it. Love that. If your palace had a swear jar, how much money would you have to put into it daily? Now, this is, <laughs> this is kind of a twofold question because it also depends on how much you would charge yourself. <laughs> Oh, um, I, I do swear a bit, but I swear sometimes when I'm really happy. <laughs> I think sometimes swearers just can get you excited or mad, but it's like a release for me for some reason. Same here. So how much would be in there? <laughs> yeah, how much, how much would be in there? How, how much would you have to put into it daily? Um... That's so tough. I, I don't I don't even know how to answer this question. <laughs> There's no right or wrong answer. Okay, I just throw a bunch of love in it because I really don't think, I mean, obviously I'm teaching my 10-year-old not to swear, but I don't think really there's that big a deal if you're not using it in a mean way. <laughs> you know, I can say like a swear word and be excited. <laughs> yeah, an appropriately placed F-bomb in certain situations can be glorious. Mm-hmm. Like I love Gary V and I know some people are all offended by him. I think he's hilarious. I'm like, yeah, throw that, throw that in there. Throw it in there, Gary. <laughs> what woman would you want to trade places with just for a day? Gosh, I can't imagine wanting to trade places with anyone, but if I did, I think I would want to trade places with Somebody out in the jungle playing with a lot of animals. I really love animals. <laughs> Brings the child out in me. So who would be that? Um, if you had to have your success at twice the speed, how would you have done it? If I had to have it at twice the speed, how would I have done it? You know, hard thing is I feel like I needed this journey. You know, like I kept wondering why I didn't have the success I had before, but I know why I needed the journey. So if I had to do it twice as fast, I would just fail faster and more. And 
I don't know if I'm answering that's that. That's such a great, that's, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer, oh, okay. but that, that, that is actually what, one of my favorite answers is I would just fail faster and more. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Success is a really crappy teacher. Right. So, <laughs> so what is the message that you want to share in the world? The message I want to share in the world is to be open. I, I love when Wayne Dyer says be open to everything and attached to nothing, because I feel like if you can be open to each person, to each place, to each experience, to seeing the good and the love, like to trying things, I feel like half the people are set back just because they say no instead of yes. <laughs> I not say yes to everything we can. Mm-hmm. And lastly, how do you crown yourself? I crown myself as someone, um, I crown myself just as someone who wants to give hope and inspiration to others. I want to show people that anything is possible and help people dream big and then get past their excuses and go after it. Amen. Oh. Preach. You've been preaching today, Noel. How can we find you? How can we join Fearless and Fortunate? How can we become a part of this extraordinary, fast-growing community that you are building? Oh, I want everybody to join us be, and pay it forward and invite everyone they know. Um, our Fearless and Fortunate group is a Facebook group. Um, I think they just started to try to do an Instagram thing, but it doesn't allow us to do the Zoom to live and all that stuff yet. Um, but yeah. We haven't shown up yet on Instagram yet, so I probably shouldn't even bring that up. Um, Fearless and Fortune is a Facebook group. You just ask, you know, to join. Um, I am Noelle Andrus Russo, so N-O-E-L-L-E, and then A-N-D-R-I-S, and then Russo is R-U-S-S-O-W. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. I love messages. I love people telling me what they're struggling with as well as what they're aiming for in life. Um, and I'm just, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for every person that I get to connect with. Amazing. Noel, thank you so much for being on, for joining. And if you loved this episode, please take a screenshot of it. Tag us in your Insta stories. I love seeing your DMs, your ahas, your breakthroughs, and your screenshots sharing the amazing growth that you are experiencing by listening and choosing into content and surrounding yourself, whether virtually or in person with people who lift you up with champions and cheerleaders. As always, own your throne, mind your business because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crownyourselfnow or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.